Hello, ladies and gentlemen, to the late edition of the After Dark, <laughs> uh, Canadian After Dark. Uh, apologize for the delay in getting the stream going. Some major technical difficulties on my end. Uh, software was crashing constantly. Finally got it figured out. We're all good to go. Not our normal setup, but we've got a ton of people here to talk about the Canadian Championships, which is what we're going to do uh, tonight. Um, for everybody, if you like our content, don't forget to like, to share, um, to comment when you're uh, when you have questions or comments or anything. Uh, we will answer them live. We will try to uh, keep everybody involved. Uh, so, without further ado, um, I will introduce everybody that's in the chat. Uh, we've got Michael Patuli, um, the other half of our hosting duo for tonight, um, another member of the Canadian Buller uh, family. Uh, so to speak. Uh, next to him, we've got John Seitman, uh, Nova Scotia rep. He is the current marketing and PR guy, if I have the uh, the title somewhat correct, uh, for Nova yep. Scotia province. Um, next to him, we have Derek Dillon. Uh, some of you may know him from one of our past uh, interviews. He is the Alberta head coach. He is the regional coach uh, for that area under uh, Bulls Canada. Uh, multiple-time Canadian uh, medalist and uh, generally good guy. Uh, we've got uh, Derek McKay from Ontario. He is the current reigning and defending uh, Canadian Force champion from 2019, since we haven't had the Canadians recently. Um, Bulls out of Woodstock. Uh, lives in Woodstock. Uh, great to have you on board, uh, Derek, for your perspective. Thanks. Uh, we've got... Carter and Brandon Watson, you might uh, recognize them from other episodes uh, and our Canadian Bowler podcast. Uh, brothers from Saskatchewan uh, play all the time, part of our development uh, squad under the national program. Um, Brandon, Carter, thank you for being part of the show. All right, with that kind of wrapped up, I uh, wanted to kick this off with uh, a general question, and I'm going to throw this out to um, co-hosts Mike Batuli and uh, Derek Dillon, since um, I think they're the ones in this chat that have been to the most Canadians out of everybody here. Um, what is your feeling about the Canadians? Is it what it should be? Is it what it has been in the past, where people really want to go? Uh, the medals mean a tremendous amount to uh, those that win it, or has it lost some of the shine over the years? So do you want to take this, Daryl? Or sorry, Derek, or do you want me to jump on it? Well, about your experience, uh, Mike, you, well, I'm happy for you. And you beat me last time we played each other, so uh, I'll let you go first. Yeah, I was going to say to Daryl on his intro there that I am also the reigning Canadian uh, pairs champion. Thank you. Totally uh, forgot. As, as, as Derek might remember. Well, yeah. But... Let's not talk about that now, shall we? No. Yeah. Um. Yeah, to like answer your question, Daryl, I would say that there's been a definite change in the Canadians uh, probably over about the last decade. So I've been to about seven or eight of them now, but I've been to many more because my family has been playing in them and I was that little kid that got dragged along. 
Um, so in my years of seeing what's happened, I've seen there been a significant change, probably about what, 10 years ago or not quite 10 years ago, they changed the format used to be singles, fours, pairs, and then they changed it to triples. And then they've started splitting it off to a separate singles nationals. So for me personally, I see it being as a, a change and it's been a negative change in my mind. I don't see it as a illustrious anymore specifically they've kind of cut down the amount of days uh they've kind of condensed the format in a bit and it's not quite as i guess long long or i guess as thorough of an event as it used to be so for me i don't see it as high end of an event as it was about maybe 10 years ago uh what do you think derek yeah it's it's definitely changed you know what i kind of notice is that you know it tends to be the same people all the time. So when, when you have generally the same people all the time, apart from a team or two here or there, then the rest of the bowls community are probably going to start to kind of lose interest because it's, oh, well, hell, you know, it's it's the Patuli boys winning a pairs again and they were cruel to Greg Wilson and Derek Dillon at the time. But, uh, you know, so, you know, people are sort of going to lose interest. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll watch a bit of live streaming every now and then and what have you. But when it's the same people going all the time, it, it's, it's a problem. And I, and I know that <clears throat> Bowls Canada have tried changing the rules, certainly with the seniors and the mixed pairs and that to try and get newer people, uh, newer people to nationals. But now that the nationals are split, you know, pair, you know, obviously there's costs concerns. I know, you know, Bowls Canada and what have you have people, you know, yapping in their ear about, well, you know, gee, this is too long, you know, it's too costly, we can't afford hotels, blah 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 blah. So that, you know, they're obviously been trying to find a formula uh, for for how it should work. You know, I think my first one was, you know, 2013. Uh, when was Vancouver? Uh, Tim Mason run the whole show. Was that 13? I think it was something like that anyway over there in Vancouver. And boy, oh boy, I thought this is a great show. This is a big show. They had T-shirts, all sorts of things going on with it. You know, there was people everywhere because it was, you know, fours, pairs, triples and singles. I think all at the same time, you know, a couple of clubs and what have you. So, so it was a really big show. I think it certainly shrunk and shrunk and shrunk. Uh, and we all know the reasons for that. You know, I just think, and probably leading into something else, that you know, I think uh, Canada is for bowls for me is at a is at a crossroads in regard to national championships. And well, which way do we go? You know, do, do you make it an open event where people you know come in? You know, do you not do that? Do you change the format so like fours and pairs are they gone? You know, and you have and singles are they all gone and then because they don't lead to anywhere the singles does but fours and pairs don't lead anywhere apart from a national championship obviously which is which is nice to have but um you know does it end up a different format you know like a like a premier league or something that all the provinces play and 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 lead on to a to a national champion and all these sorts of stuff so um you know <clears throat> the 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 trouble with Canada bowls right now is that, is that it reminds me of Australian bowls about 30 years ago. Um, you know, which way do we go? You know, and really like the open championships in Australia are certainly held at a higher esteem than, than like a, a, a national championship, like a club 
club champion of champions and these sorts of things that they do have there. In fact, they just, they're having them right now, I think, up in my old hometown of Mackay. And, uh, but the Open is more prestigious and what have you. You get everyone coming in, international players coming in, et cetera, et cetera. And I think Canada's at a, at a stage where it's, it's got to make a decision which way to go. You know, do people want to watch who aren't in bowls? Are they, do they want to watch fours or pairs or whatever live streamed? And are they going to get excited about that? I don't see that happening currently. You know, we don't have the culture in bowls in Canada that an Australia or New Zealand or in England does. You know, I, I think it's got to probably change some way to get some outside interest. You know, when something's streamed, people are saying, oh, this is different, you know, and, you know, exciting and, you know, music and rah, 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 sort of uh, going on to promote the game a bit better. But as Michael's saying, you know, I've certainly, certainly noticed that, uh, and maybe it's a thing of, you know, you get a bit blasé when you when you go to these things as an athlete yourself. Some you know, so well, okay, I know. Well, yes, listen, I know. Yes, who's in the list? Oh, yes. Well, we've got to beat the Patulis, and then oh shit, the Watson boys here. Yeah, well, they're going to be easy to fix up, and then you know, John Cypress <laughs> in there as well, and that's not going to be hard. So it's really down to us and the Patulis, as it's been over the last five years or whatever. So you know, but I think a decision on the on a wider front has got to be made. Um, you know, what, what format do we go forward with and what promotes bowls the best? So I want to throw this out to, uh, to the rest of you guys. Um, obviously, Derek, you've, you made it and you won in Burlington um, the last time out. Uh, Brandon Carter, John, you've all been to Acadians, um, but you're still striving to get there and win that medal. Um, does it still hold that, you know, like, man, I really, really want to win that Canadian medal, or is it just in a strange place? Um, I would definitely think that I want to win a medal there. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's, I guess with Michael and Derek is that they've, they may have been there so many times that it's like, oh, we want another medal. I'll put that in our pile of uh, <laughs> stuff that we've already gotten. But for people like Brandon and John and I, uh, it's it's one of those things that it's one of those stepping stones that we want to be able to use to, you know, have this sort of achievement that we know that we can play up there with the big boys, right? So having that ability to have a national event that is, you know, prestigious and that sort of way, it's still very prestigious to me. Getting to nationals is something I want to do every year. It's always something I want to get to, and it's definitely something I want to do well in. So having that ability or you know, path to win a medal there and have that sort of a achievement past what um, what provincials are and or uh, even an open nationals like juniors even is uh, a little bit different of a feeling than you know winning your way to an event. So there's um, that aspect as well. And just jumping on what Carter said there, it's yeah, it's all relative to where you come from or where you are. Like I remember my first. Uh, second year bowling um, winning a couple districts and getting to provincials and people are like oh well I got who you don't need these district pins I've got like 40 of them for 30 of them from the years and you're like well it's nice or the, the ceremony they used to have before your um, things like oh it was nice but like I understand that now like the first time yeah that's kind of cool and then it's like okay well let's get on with this and get going and then you get to a certain stage and I mean fortunately for me I got on made it past provincials um winning that in 2019 and getting the canadians 
And now with a Canadian gold medal kind of in my hands, okay, what's the next step? And I mean, I want to be back to Canadians. I think that's the highest right now, the highest level you're going to play at in this country. But um, obviously I've got other things kind of now thinking thinking forward and it's, it's all a process. It's not like you're going to start the sport and say, okay, we're, um, we're a gold medal game at the Canadians, what I'm thinking about. No, that's, but it's, it's a process of getting there. So um, it's all relative to where you are in your development. So, I mean, if you're going every year, which is a lot easier than you to do when you're from some other provinces than it is in Ontario, there's no, no teams guaranteed um, um, definitely to get there. Um, yeah. You don't take uh, like, you don't take it for granted. Yeah, that's where I definitely tend to agree there because, like, a, a, a lot of people a, see Nova Scotia as one of the smaller provinces th- there, but, like, the amount of competition that it, it takes to, just to get out of here, especially when, like, a one of our main com- competition there every single year is always Steve Ogden and Steve Bazanson. When you have players of that caliber, it is tough to get out of this province. It, so like I, I was lucky enough in 2018, I, I had my first trip to the Canadians as a replacement player for someone who had to withdraw from from the majors. Then 2019, I actually we actually ended up beating Steve Ogden and Steve Bazanson in the A final to win the pairs to go in what would have been 2020. So it's like it, I think personally, like as, as someone who's striving to hopefully get to one day play for Canada like it it's a major stepping stone to it that means a lot to to try to get there because when, once you get there you're truly pl- hopefully playing against the best of the best in this country I think that's totally fair yeah. go ahead Mike so I I'm like I'm kind of just hearing from the group here so everyone has kind of said they enjoy the aspect of playing or the honor you kind of feel of playing to get your way to the nationals derek did sort of touch on uh canada being at a crossroads of the we either maybe have to go on the way of it being an open event or going towards kind of the a, a different format of what we're currently doing so i guess the opinion of you all your other players here what would you guys think is the more optimal format moving towards more of an australian open where like John, I know you've played a couple times at the Australian Open, where you can pretty much enter in any event, just go into anything you want. Or do we need to kind of have something more towards where you're playing your provincials, getting your way there? Do you think an open event for nationals would be possible in Canada? What do you guys think? I think it's definitely possible. You know, at the end of the day, you know, everyone here on this and who wants to go to nationals and play in provincials. It's that competitive juices that you have flowing in you. And one of, one of the issues in Canada is that there's just not enough competition games to play. You know, so like, look, at, you know, look at Fours, for example, in probably Nova Scotia, Alberta's no different, maybe Saskatchewan. You play Fours one weekend and then, if you, get, and then you don't play Fours again until probably you get to Nationals if, 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 you, if you win through in the Fours. So there's just you know there's just not enough competition games. So uh, you know I, I would think whatever the format you want as many competitions as you can in the province, because that's what we need as players to improve. And certainly guys like you know John Carter and Brandon and 
uh, Derek, you're younger than me probably, so I'll put you in the same group. But, you know, it's competition that people are after and we don't have enough of that. And then, of course, everyone who goes to nationals, it doesn't matter who, they, they're there to win and they want to win. Why? Because it's competition. It probably wouldn't matter if you're at the Marbles Championships for Canada. You'd still want to win and want to play and have it as a sense of achievement that you, that you, that you have. So, so certainly depending on, you know, the competition and the, and the format aspect, I think it's a bigger picture in regard to, you know, what you know, competition players will play in any competition. Whether it's a Premier League, whether it stays the way it is, whether it's a, a UBC type setup or, or or an open event, um, you know those who love competition will will always play in those events. It's what's best for the game and what, how do we how do we grow the game going forward using our national championship as a tool to grow that game, and that's that's the big one. But I think you could have an open event. You know, it's tough in Canada. You know. I know certainly in Australia, John played. I've played the open events there many years ago, of course. But, um, you know, and you do get plenty of people come and play. And, you know, people will travel. People will stay in friends' houses or whatever it is to go and play in these events. You, know, you can play in large open events every weekend in Queensland, you know, for 10000 bucks a weekend generally. You know, there's no complaining about, oh, gee whiz, you know, a hotel's going to, three three nights in a hotel's going to cost me more than two nights. And uh, gee whiz, you know, it's it's too far to travel. I can't travel and what have you. So that's what worries me about open events in uh, Canada. There is a lot of that sort of talk about, you know, cost on, the, uh, cost on an individual slash province on sending athletes to, uh, to nationals. And uh, their current structure, is really based on provinces and, and, and their, their cost comments uh, in regard to how they can how they can send people or individuals go themselves to, to these events. You know, that we tried the singles for, for a number of years there uh, as, a, as an open event. Um, you know, didn't get a heap of people going, going to that, even though the winner went on to either a World Cup event or, or whatever, or champion a champion event, whatever it, uh, whatever they do now. But uh, yeah, there wasn't a heap of entries. You know, you got a few from wherever the province was. You know, but uh, outside of that, so that's that's the worry for me is that you have a national event that that is open, and people are you know the culture within bowls in Canada is that they're quite cost conscious and may not may not attend. Can I can I jump in with the um, aspect of going back to cost? Like in Ontario, we've went to doing open well fours for the last couple um, times before um, before COVID, where it was just open entries before like it would be like that in most provinces anyway. But here, you used to have to win a district before getting there. We went open where you could match up with players from all over the province, and again, the entry fee was a lot higher than it used to be. And just trying to this is we're serious about the competition here. If you're going, you're it's it's playing to win, and. Um, it also came with more prize money um, out there for the um, players to go to help them with travel to Canadians. Do you think, and this is just throwing a question there, do you think, not that everybody's out there for prize money, if there was actually money out there to be won at Canadians that that, to help cover those costs of being there, especially for those um, individuals or pro, um, people who are representing provinces who might go every year, that that would be helpful in bringing people out to play those uh, events? 
personally, I think it would be, but the the main question is that uh, wh- where can we get that funding? Right. That's the major thing, because like uh, you're not getting your five thousand, ten thousand dollar purses with the even the hundred buck entry fee that we we have now. Uh, so it, it it would all come down once again to sponsorship, and that, that that's a, a a whole can of worms there that that takes a lot of time to get right or do you put do you have in like the teams who are going have a higher entry fee or the province has a higher entry fee of sending teams so there isn't prize money for the top ones easier sell in larger provinces probably or uh, more successful provinces maybe we'll put it that way but i don't know just another thought i mean you're not getting and this isn't a shot at anybody but it Pete, you got some provinces like Prince Edward Island or New Brunswick. We haven't, I haven't seen a team there from those places. I mean, it's not like you're eliminating them if nobody wants to go in the first place. Like Nova Scotia players, I'm guessing, probably pay that fee. Saskatchewan, probably pay that fee. Ontario will pay that fee. I don't know. Just, just an idea. Yeah, no, it's a definite good points with the, the cost factor. Like in the chat, we have uh ralph ellis uh, has commented a couple times and he sort of talked about originally how some of the smaller provinces maybe that 10 15 years ago range used to almost treat it as a vacation uh type of a thing where the people would go to wherever it is in canada sort of treat it as a vacation and then that you maybe wouldn't get as competitive teams out of it and it's sort of i guess morphed to the more competitive teams or people taking the bulls more seriously as the years have kind of progressed. And so I think with prize money, if you can get the sponsorships, yes, I think that's going to attract people. But I think the same problem that you saw, and Derek did touch on it, is we had the Canadian singles. We had pretty good prize money when the Canadian singles were open. Uh, the problem became with that is it became a very regional event. So Canada's huge country um it's a lot cheaper for if the nationals are in ontario you're gonna obviously get hundreds of people from ontario coming out to play in it it's in saskatchewan you're gonna get lots of people from saskatchewan and the prairies so i think with canada the regionality of it's going to be always a massive problem for nationals and i think the only real way you could maybe combat that is if you maybe did regional nationals almost but again then you're not getting everyone from all the whole country so i don't think there's a perfect way to really sort of run it the the interesting thing right now is uh it used to be that the canadians were on a rotational basis and that was to be more inclusive right so you have it out in bc um for for a year then you have it at nova scotia for a year and then you have it in ontario or manitoba or wherever to try to to ease the pain of having to travel all the time so if it's always in bc are you really going to get the um, the Maritimes in there? And if it's out there, are you really going to get um, people from BC wanting to go out there because of the cost? Um, that's kind of gone out the window this year where it kind of came to a head where Pulse Canada came out and said, um, we're looking for hosts. Um, you know, it's supposed to be here, but we don't, we don't have anybody that wants to take it. So we're taking bids from anywhere. And um, uh, Michael Batuli, our... Uh, you know, our beat reporter broke the news that uh, he thinks it's in Burlington again. Um, so it's back in Ontario. Is there a major issue around trying to host it? Um, 
the cost, the volunteers, clubs just don't want it. Um, what are the pros and the cons that, that people actually get out of taking on the Canadians? Certainly a bit of, it's, it's, it's a bit of the unknown for clubs. And certainly right now, it, the most I can see clubs worrying about is volunteer burnout. And the last couple of years has been, well, it's always tough on volunteers, but the last couple of years has been pretty tough on uh, volunteers. And that's, you know, I think even from a Calgary Lawn perspective that we were having a look at it. In fact, for, for next year, in conjunction with the club down the road, uh, Rotary Park. And, uh, um, you know, it was just sheer in the end. Members sort of said, well, you know, we're, 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 we're volunteer weary. You know, nothing about the cost of it, nothing about the profit you can make, nothing about the, the organisation of it. It was all about volunteer weariness. Yeah, I, I, I certainly think that the, it's been a, bad, a little bit bad for the last couple of years because of uh, the uncertainty of COVID and whatnot. But also, I think the, uh, the, the Nationals itself as a uh, an event is kind of... It's a it's a big undertaking, right? So it might be a bit intimidating for clubs to try to want to take something uh, like that on. So maybe a way of um, solving an issue like that is to have maybe a template of or uh, what other clubs have done in the past in order to show them just what uh, what is all involved to uh, these other clubs that might be thinking about it, or just to show that there is like maybe have a other clubs that have done it before, like the Regina Wimbledon Club, had a um, a document that we had that showed all the different things that we um, ended up working on for the uh, nationals and the problems we had and how we solved that. So maybe if we um, were able to send out documents like that to clubs, they may see it as less of a big undertaking because they don't have to reinvent the wheel. They can just take some of the ideas and some of the stuff that worked in the previous nationals and then just adapt it for their area. So. Um, that's a potential way of solving uh, the huge scope of the event that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and come up with all your the ideas yourself. You can just sort of look at what's been done before and um, just apply it to where you are. I'm somebody Tim, who... Oh, sorry. Derek. No, I was just going to say, just quickly on that point, Carter, Tim Mason did a dossier of how to run a... You know, whether you agree with Tim or not on what... what he did in that in the Vancouver, West Vancouver Nationals. He, he, he created a whole dossier on what he did from start to finish, organising things to think about marketing, T-shirts, you, you name it, was, was all in the one document. But I don't know where that, whether anyone's chased, got that or whether Bowls Canada have used that or whatever, but I do know. Yeah, we, we, had, a, we had a 43-page document that I'm not sure. I think, I think it was sent off to somewhere, but I'm not sure. Um, exactly but uh it definitely i think i think it's a lot of you if you don't have to start from scratch that it removes a lot of the thinking um in regards to the uh the event itself certainly you're going to have to adapt it right like not not everything's going to work everywhere and you're going to have to do your own things but if you could get ideas from how people solve these issues then you can move it forward in uh your area and maybe that would make it easier on uh, clubs that have a smaller volunteer base or uh, burnt out volunteers, if they if they realize just what's all involved, um, that can certainly make it easy uh, easier to get into. Plus, there might be some things that um, they could uh, move on into 
um, just not necessarily have involved uh, a full involvement in. So, like uh, closing ceremonies or something like that, maybe could be run by Bulls Canada if there's a potential for that. I don't know, but just you know, moving some of the uh, some of the more higher end, uh, you know, whatever, like something that Bulls Canada could run from their end, maybe that could uh, bring it off of the volunteers of the club and allow it just to be at the club and the people at the club um, are able to do what they're doing there and have involvement with, with that sort of thing instead of something that may be done from uh, a Bulls Canada perspective. I think that's a good point by Carter about if there's something that's, well, I mean, the draw is already run by Bulls Canada, but like the more, the complicated stuff that is logistically makes sense for Bulls Canada to do because you have somebody, a staff member or staff members on site all the time, that would help. I also think it would help if you knew a year out you were doing it again, or planning ahead as if you, if that's possible, it seems like we're looking always last minute for things, but um, like, when Regina hosted in 2018, if somebody from Burlington was able to go out there and just want like for the week, be with the other person who's the head organizer or, and get to wander around and just basically shadow them. That would be huge. Like they, there'd have to be a, a, com a great comfort level you'd develop. And even you'd have the person who's organized it on site in Regina would at least have somebody else there who's probably not a bad organizer themselves if they're taking on this job in Burlington, maybe could help troubleshoot problems. It would be like a team. And the next year, then you've got that knowledge to do run it in Burlington in 2019. And then the host for, well, what would have been 2020 never happened, but 2020 would have been there from wherever that was. And then they're there to kind of watch what's going on. And I need mean, to be a, a program that would take buy-in from clubs that would actually, again, it doesn't really solve the problem ahead of time of, being willing to host, but you still haven't seen it, but you, you hopefully have some people at your club who are in that um, in leadership roles, who've been around the game enough to kind of have an idea or have seen these, at least as a spectator, like in Burlington, I know there was having played there, there was tons of people from all over Southwestern Ontario or South, Southern Ontario. I'll even say that, that were at the event watching, like hopefully they would have picked up some things. Oh, they were doing that when I went and watched there. You don't have to participate in it to find out what's going on. I I think that's um, an excellent point. I really like the idea of having somebody um, from a club in the future that is planning to host shadow one of the lead organizers um, during the event. I think that's an excellent way to get experience. I think another thing that could really help clubs, and this is a different problem in and of itself, and I don't know how you solve this, but getting clubs to take the jump and uh, possibly hire a summer student um, that could really help having somebody that you are paying that can be working all day on some of the more um, mundane um, administrative tasks and actively being able to be a part of that rather than pushing all of that onto volunteers, especially right now when memberships across the country are down. Um, I think that would make a big deal. I know the Regina Lawn Bowling Club, it was a big step for us. We were really kind of leery about it. We'd been thinking about it for a while. Um, after taking that step, I don't know if we would ever go back to um, not having a summer student, but it's once you have somebody in a, in a club that is on payroll and um, 
expected to do these tasks and that you don't have to necessarily worry about oh, they're they're a volunteer um how much can i expect of them how much time can i expect of them um it's really good for opening up um different possibilities yeah 100% agreed there brandon like when I, we held the junior nationals here in 2017 one of our uh, absolute amazing things was the fact that we did have our summer students uh, helping us out the whole week long. And like a, a, a lot of the, the stuff is simple as set up and tear down in the morning that, that usually if you rely on volunteers takes a pile of people to, to set up the green for the day, like a, having someone like, like that in place really takes a lot of stress off of volunteers. And going to i know alberta has i think saskatchewan does too have an executive director um if they're a paid position not this doesn't help necessarily and a little bit in the lead up not with all the on the ground stuff but during that week i would hope that that person would be available to kind of assist in some um administrative and um kind of direction directive functions um and we have an executive director in ontario now but i mean that's that's a different story about what his availability might be with our events but like that's just something again you have staff somewhere involved in bowls can you utilize them for a large event like that and how do you utilize them best and that's that's a much larger and more complex conversation but it's just something again to consider there's some some good comments in the chat and i'm, I'm going to read them out and get your reaction to them so uh, ralph ellis says post COVID 19 most clubs are down 20 to 28 percent is a big barrier to clubs hosting the championships in 2022. So they're obviously losing a lot of people. Uh, it'll be better in subsequent years. We hope um, Ontario has some great, uh, has some grant uh, support for the championships with helps. And I'm sure that um, some of the other provinces do as well. Probably not all of them. Um, the problem with great hosting documents is that our people don't read documents and need to be directly coached. That's uh, obviously a big thing. Um, Number one, people don't read. <laughs> Uh, Rob Gallopo, uh, he's um, from uh, Port Credit, who's going to be uh, hosting the um, half of the juniors uh, coming up, or the youth championships. So he says Jake um, at BCB has given them a 75-page manual from previous national championships uh, to help them with the 2022 junior nationals. Obviously, don't know what that contains and if that's um, big. And then uh, Ralph says the BCB manual is more of what is required uh, as opposed to how we do it. Um, and you may need both. So here's what you need and here's how you do it. Um, they're not necessarily mutually exclusive. Um, so Daryl, just yeah, me, me jumping in there. You're telling me there's a 75 page manual to host a Canadian championship. So just an outsider's perspective here, never hosted one, or I was lightly involved when we hosted. Is that not intimidating in itself that you're literally being sent a document that's 75 pages long, like takes me probably pretty dense reading. I'll bet you a whole afternoon to read that manual just to understand what's what it's telling me. So is it kind of coming to a point that I'd think if you're giving out a 75 page manual just to host the event, is the nationals itself just becoming bloated to the point where you have to do something to sort of trim it down make it more simple? Because 
I know Brandon's eyes lit up or almost bulged out of his head when we started talking about volunteer burnout from the Nationals. And we hosted the Nationals three, four years ago, where I think he's almost got PTSD four years later thinking about how much stuff was involved with that Nationals. And it, so many things went wrong. So many logistical problems happen when you host Nationals. So is it something where we maybe need to really trim down Nationals, make it a very simple thing, uh, this is what you have to do, get the greens in order, and then kind of leave a little more onto maybe the Bulls Canada side of the things, have a student that's maybe there, like we've talked, I think ever people's, uh, everyone's kind of brought up there talking about the summer students, maybe have a summer student whose direct job is to essentially run it. Uh, that's sort of where I'm seeing things is you need to really cut it down, maybe go in that direction because I know uh, Regina Lawn Bowling Club five years on, it's still probably something we don't want to host the nationals probably in the next couple of years, even because that's a lot of work and it's the same people doing the work every time. And, and the Ontario lawn bowling club has done something similar because we've had some issues trying to get clubs to host provincial championships and just cutting out. You don't need to provide a meal. That's up to you. If your club wants to provide a meal for a cost an option, that's fine, but you don't have to, and don't need to have scorekeepers if you don't want. And markers you'll need for um, for singles and that, but like there's try to get rid of all the extras and it's we've no um, ceremony um, opening ceremonies except for novice. It's just getting like taking away all that stuff. I mean, yeah, some of the again going back to your first time, the pomp and circumstance is nice, but do you need it to play the event? No. So um, trying to. Again, a little bit, I don't want to say this in a negative way, but trim the fat and make it uh, more manageable and more, where clubs would be more willing. Because I know, like you just said, that that size of a document, that's a complete turnoff right away. I think that's what, again, talking about my idea that Brandon then kind of um, also um, touched on about having somebody there to actually witness what's going on, I think makes it a lot less overwhelming. I think you see, oh, well, you can get away with doing this or that's not really as bad as because I know you, I'm sure you've read things before where in the contract or in something, you got to do this, 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 and then you're like, really? And you think, but then if you actually saw it in practical everyday use, it's not nearly that, that bad. Yeah. hundred percent. Like a, I went, when I think of like a, seeing Rob in, in the chat there and I know a, I, I, we had the same thing there with the uh, junior nationals. It, it helps so much if you have someone on the planning committees for these who have actually experienced these events. Because like it, uh, then you get a little bit of the idea of the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like I, I'm sure all of us have gone to a, a, a events, and automatically we see something, and it's like, next time we get to host this thing, we're not doing that. Or I, I'm sure there's some stuff that that like say like when we hosted the juniors, that I, I, I'm sure that when they brought it to Manitoba or when it. Uh, they wrote at Juan de Fuca in uh, BC that they they brought in into the event that they learned from us too. It, it, it's it's passing on that knowledge base because you only get one one nationals of the, in each of these disciplines a year. Well, I, like I know off the top of my head from when Regina hosted, there's a few things that kind of stand out to me as as issue like small things that I know were we as a committee were panicking over a bit trying to find volunteers for it like transportation from the air uh, from the hotel back and forth to the club it's either extremely expensive for the club to um, supply like a bus 
to take people back and forth or um, organize taxis or volunteers to drive people, people back and forth. Again, um, airport pickup and drop off is another really big one. Um, is it necessarily like finding volunteers who are okay to um, drive out to the airport, pick people up, bring them back to the hotel um, and vice versa? These, they're all things that the more that you have to worry about, um, the more intimidating it is. Is it like, it's nice to have, to know that there's going to be somebody there to pick you up at the airport. I know if I was told that I have to grab a taxi and get to the airport, that would be just fine with me. So well, it's, it's Codswallop, you know, it's a, it's a, it's an adults, adults championship. It's, it's not an under sevens. So, uh, you know, my God, you know, people can fly in when they want to fly in or drive in when they want to drive in and get to the hotel yourselves. My, like my giddy aunt for a club to have to organize all of that is just, just nonsense, quite frankly. And, and like what uh, Derek said there, like, yeah, like I agree. Um, but also, and I don't want to make this sound like Regina had it easy, but there's an airport right in Regina. Like what happens when Burlington hosted? There's not an airport in Burlington. That's a lot more complicated. Kitchener has a small airport or in Waterloo, regional Waterloo, but realistically it doesn't have an airport that's connected to everywhere. Um, so that right away, if you're not in a, a city that has like a airport that's well connected around to different um, communities and large communities in Canada, um, that's another just like if you have to provide transportation in the airport, that's probably right away. Well, we can't do that. I guess we're not bidding. Yeah, and that's a, 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 one of the things on the transportation side that is absolutely massive. And of course, I, I can speak to this individually, being that that in no uh, in, in Atlanta, Canada, there is only one club where we have more than one green. So uh, automatically. <laughs> The second that you get a two two clubs need, uh, hosting a one event, uh, like, say an event like the Canadians, and, and uh, the scheduling for transportation to go from potentially club to club or setting up some going on one to one club on one day, some on another, it just gets nasty. Yeah. Look, to, to attract clubs, we're going to have to somehow – we're going to have to say that whether it's Calgary Lawn or Regina or whoever it may be, say, hey, listen, you know, we want to do nationals because we make $50,000 out of it hmm. in, the, in the week. So that, like, in, in Alberta, we, we do casinos over a few nights where we get something, you know, around sixty-five grand every 18 months. And I know other, other provinces are different, but that's how Alberta is. And so, you know, if, if a nationals was said, well, okay, here's the nationals, you get all the revenue, you get it all, you know, whatever it is, you know, whatever the entry fees may be per province, uh, whatever kickbacks you can get from hotels, whatever, you know, whatever, you know, all the, all the drink sales, um, you know, and I, and I know from Burlington that I bought Michael a can of beer and he never bought me one back. But, you know, so, you know, it's got to be a club, so a, board, a club board sits down and goes, well, gee whiz, you know, listen, we're, we're struggling a bit for revenue this year, it looks like. If we decide, if we say we do the Nationals next year, that means 50 grand in our pocket or whatever it may be. You know, well, hell, well, let's do it. Let's do it. 
and then you got people that are motivated to put on a you know put it on put on a real good one so that if they put their hand up again to say well gee whiz you know 50 grand a year we could get out of doing nationals now we can't do it every year but let's put our hand up for every third year or whatever it may be yeah and hopefully there's some competition in regard to other clubs see that well gee whiz you know if if you know we put this on you know 50 grand helps us for for two years of uh, greenkeeper costs or whatever it may be, you know. So hmm. I think that's a stage we've got to try and get to somehow. And just jumping in with um, going back to kind of getting things back to the clubs and not having many who are willing to host. That's one. I'm on the uh, BCB uh, development committee, so I was part of the process that selected the clubs we have for nationals next year so i'm not going to comment on because that hasn't been publicly released who's uh, who's hosting what but um part of the because we were desperate kind of for clubs to bid was i just it wasn't a requirement necessarily any one thing like transportation from the airport but asking can you provide this and obviously if you could that was looked upon favorably but if you couldn't then that that was that and we again we looked at the bids as a as a whole um with all the different with green Green, average green speed, all um, condition, all those, th- which was a very important, and all those different things to make our decisions. Yeah, the, the point I was just going to bring up there with what Derek said, and I 100% agree with it, is not just the financial side of it of having money in the bank, it's a legacy of the event. Because, like, I, I, after I, I, we got done with juniors, we had a lot of money in, in the bank. But what we what we did was we wanted to to make a, a take some of that mo- uh, money from it and put it into something that the club would be able to utilize for, for years to come. Like it, we had like brand brand new mats and jacks, which is something very simple. It, it, we ha- had a full flagpole set. That's a surprising amount of money uh, if anybody's ever seen how much flagpoles cost it is insane it like it, it it's just it, cr- creating those uh, ways of of making it th- that it, it the benefit of hosting a championship isn't just numbers on a balance sheet it's some, something actually tangible that that members will benefit for, for for years to come you know if you look at australian bowls which is probably what 30 years ahead of canada i can probably say um, you know, you, you you know, people people tender to get the championships because it means so much revenue to them. You know, people coming in. Obviously, there's bigger crowds watching. Um, you know, clubs have got uh, slot machines, etc. So it, it it it's it's a big thing. Now we're a long way from that, obviously, but you know, club. You know, like the Gold Coast without World Championships, Commonwealth Games you know, uh, Premier Leagues, all those, you know, the Australian Open, all that sort of stuff, you know, they, 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 it would hurt them beyond hurt, you know, and that's why they really tender and chase these things. Yeah. And try and get to a similar situation. Yeah, and jumping into that a bit more, um, I, we have a couple members at our club who are members of the uh, Ingersoll Curling Club, which hosted, like, the 2015... Um, Ontario tanker to get to the briar, which is a big event again in Ontario because of the size. And they host that Ingersoll doesn't have an appropriate rink to host that, but they hosted in um, Dorchester, which has a, uh, a couple thousand seats in that, um, in that rink. And I know it was a six digit. I forget how much we talked about how much money they made. They said it was a ton of work, but it was like a six digit 
figure that they made for the week. And I mean, that covers a ton of expenses around. And again, you, that club that size could not do that every year because we would have volunteer burnout. And they, I mean, they said that it was, it was that much work. You'd never even try to do that. But like once in a generation or once every 10 years, depending, depending on the size of your club, or if you're a bigger club, maybe you take something on once every four years or something. Yeah. Like that's something you need to look at. I think that's comes back to clubs with long-term planning too, and what your goals are and what you, yeah, what are you trying to achieve? So I think we're, we're all in agreement that there's a ton of stuff that um, makes hosting the Canadians very difficult and overwhelming for people, especially those that don't have any background in it, don't know what's going on, you know, how much am I going to have to put into it? How many volunteers do I need? What's it going to cost, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, there's no real um, shining the light on the benefits. I know um, for my club that hosted it um, in conjunction with Burlington the final year, uh, we were looking at possibly doing it again. And it, was, it wasn't it was for um, for anything other than it was a money, like a, a money grab for us, like a, a big income for the club. We we were able to upgrade a bunch of stuff in the club. We were able to work with the city to do a bunch of stuff to the club as well. And we want to keep that rolling. Um, you know, can we get new things? Can we upgrade? Can we do stuff to the greens that'll just make our club better and better and better and better as we go along? And, you know, hopefully the membership will support us in doing that because in the end, it should benefit them as well. But it's it's such a tough sell because not only are you giving up your greens, but people have to work. And some people just want to come pay their membership and play. They don't want to have to do all this volunteer stuff, right? They just they just want to play the game. Yeah, but but Derek, going further with Daryl said, yeah, like if you can, like in Kitchener, Heritage hosts the, the singles there in 2019. If you then kind of do this, not an, again annually, but regularly hosting big events, all of a sudden, it should in your local community get your club or, or on your on the map like it should be like oh we like people in town oh yeah the lawn bowling club yeah they host a lot of big things they might know nothing else about the club they might know nothing about the game but they know that this is actually an important thing in our town people go here all the time and do this and they host national events and that's that's even a good spot i mean it'd be nice if those people came up and tried the game but it's nice to have the they know that that's it's a pillar in the community so if you ever did have issues people would be like oh well we should help that club out because they they've done all these great things over the years and then you just build up that goodwill and notoriety i guess is the way to put it yeah that's where a uh, derek when like when we hosted the, ju- the juniors in under 25s like they we only hosted uh, one national event right? there there a uh, with that and that's what we also sorry we hosted senior triples in 2016 but in, in, with juniors in 2017 I worked my rear end off when it came to a, 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 a the PR media coverage there to get it that that a, like if we were able to get get the word out to local reporters and a, tell that story of the these young people a, breaking the stere- in the case of that event breaking the stereotype a, of this sport and achieving great things in athletic competition. Like I, 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 we ended up, I, and this is the, a funny story. I got to bring this one up. I, 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 we were at the host hotel for the juniors uh, at like ten o'clock at night, uh, uh, down by a pool, just chatting. Uh, on my way out, I get a phone call. It's Global News. Uh, uh, one of the reporters for Global 
uh, and it's like, heard you're hosting the, the junior and under 25 national lawn bowling championship. Tell me about it. And, and like, I'm pitching this story up the yin yang to him in the middle of the, the hotel parking lot in the middle of an industrial park at like 10 o'clock at night. What do you know? They send a film crew the next day. It's the lead story at six o'clock and 11 o'clock the next day. And we probably had a, one of the biggest crowds there that I've probably ever seen for the youth nationals in the fi- the finals there, uh, watching Carter and Owen play for that gold medal. <laughs> I think there's a lot to be said for what can be taken away from the Canadians if you're willing to do the work and if you're willing to um, put yourself out there. It's, but it's still a tough sell. Um, I wanted to kind of shift away from from the hosting aspect. I think we've we've covered that quite a bit, but I'll throw this out to uh, Mike Batula. I don't think he has any opinions. What do you what do you think about um, the format and the marketability and um, the fact that you know we stream it, but do we have anybody but the hardcores watching? I don't know. Um, yeah, our format is garbage. So. We'll we'll get that out there quick. Uh, the games are way too long. There's lots of problems with the streaming of it in general. is just not enjoyable just because you're going to have to, I guess when Regina hosted it, I was helping out with that a little bit with Brandon and me. And to get the cameras each end, a person on each camera, you only get one rink. You probably can only do it on an end rink. So it, it's not an easy thing with our current format i think you have to definitely move to a more tv friendly format if people will want that to happen because the more tv friendly formats you probably are going to go into shorter games you're going to go into it's more luck swinging games where someone makes one really nice lucky shot they're probably going to win a match type of thing so i don't know if people are overly going to be friendly with changing to a format massive format change but i think you almost have to for the the tv side of things because if you're streaming it if you can do it on a middle rink where a marker puts a gopro on their chest and you get essentially right there direct footage from the gopro right in front of the the head you're going to get great footage but it's again you're changing format you're changing the way that lawn bowling thinks and i think that's going to be kind of a big problem is getting people to change the way they think or be open to new ideas. So I could keep going all day, but I, I would love to hear someone else's opinion on uh, a format change, uh, potentially changing what we do with the Canadians. Yeah, that is definitely the big issue there uh, because number one, yeah, like the games are too long. Like, especially when you think of uh, trying to, uh, like you look at curling, for example, where curling, they're trying to fit into essentially hour and a half, hour 45, time slot really when it comes to like the stuff that you're seeing on like Sportsnet, net and like now they're looking at now the briar for curling going from 10 ends to eight ends potentially in the future or even time stuff it gets all nutty with that so it's like when you think of our games 18 ends or in the case of ours i guess we have time limit now two and a half hours i think it is now it's insane it is long and I, I, fortunately, we at least, I, and I know there may be a few viewers that, that, that send me hate mail afterwards for saying this, but I think the respot has kind of helped a little bit. I think it has. <laughs> hate me for it. I'm fine. I'll get Ryan Bester to, to email you about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 there are intricacies about that, but it is what it is. 
on the streaming side there, I think one of the things that I remember, I don't know if it was on the actual BCB stream or whether it was the local TV network that did it, but I remember when Derek and Mike were playing against each other in the final, the pairs, they had the boom camera. And, and, and like it, uh, that, that provides some amazing angles there for, for that type of stuff. Unfortunately for us, it costs a lot of money to have a boom camera and a boom operator for said camera. So as a result, it makes it a bit challenging to have that every single time. But it's it amazing. Put me, me, put me off my game as well. <laughs> I, I may be the uh, person who kind of disagrees with this. Uh, I, I mean, it depends what the goal of the Canadian Championships is, is to find the best team. Because if it is, then I, to me, that's playing championship games with 18 ends of pairs, 16 ends of fours. And it's not going to be this nice short little thing. Like it's going to be 16 ends to settle this and over. And I'm personally a fan of the, I like the full round. I don't think you necessarily need to have a gold medal and bronze medal game. If you have your full round Rob and you've played your full round, unless this is where I disagree with some people and world bowls where I do like selling it on the green. So if you have three people, like we did in fours, I can't, I know there was ties in the pairs too. Not for Derek would have been gold medalist, but we won't talk about that. <laughs> um, but uh, in the fours, there's a three-way tie for first. Then you need to have some format where you settle that in games on the green. And then there's a you've already determined who your medalists are in that case. It's just what medal they're going to get. But you've played every team. You don't need to play another medal game against them. You've like To me, that's the way. Like I was looking into this kind of stuff. I was looking at one time about who's hosted different world bowls um, events over the years, and I saw that Willowdale hosted the women's in '81, and I was just looking at some of the results. Full 17 game round, round robin against every team, and that was how they. That was the medals, first, second, third. After that, and to me, that's the way to sell it. You've played every team; everyone's done the same thing. Yes, you might have had a green that would have been advantageous to one or rank advantageous to one team over another, but that should hopefully balance itself out over the course of, especially 17 games, but even nine games um, at the Canadian. See, uh, Daryl, you may know, I don't know, or even Mike, you might know, a uh, very learned gentleman on this, uh, out of this group. But as a member of World Bowls that Canada is, is there, and, and, or, and or money coming from Sport Canada, are there certain rules or that we must, we must do this with the national championship? Or, you know, like World Bowls said, is you must have a fours and a pairs or, you know, is it mute talking that we go five aside and rah, 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 rah? No, I think that the discussion could be had. Um, oh. they, they made the changes to, you know, put in the triples, take out the triples. Um, we kind of switched up how things um, were done. I think countries tend to um, model a little closer to, say, World Bulls or Commonwealth Games because it is that, um, preparation. You want to see, like, can these people perform at that level in Canada before they hit the national stage and do the same format? Um, that's kind of how the Canadian championships, I think, have been molded um, to liken like a World Bulls format um, that way. I I kind of wanted to, to comment on Mike's as well. Um, uh, Dave Anderson in the in the comment said uh, he disagrees with Michael streaming in other countries do well with a poor format. Um, I guess I want to throw it out to you guys. 
Is it? Uh, I I like having a traditional format. I don't like having a traditional format to stream necessarily. But um, is there a place for another level of competition across Canada? Maybe not Canadians. That is that fast paced, hardcore. You know, good for casual audiences possibly. Because I don't think the Canadian Championships in its current format is going to pull in the casual audience the way we want it to. Unless you're a casual person that knows, say, a Derek Dillon that's going in and I want to see him play. Well, th this could be one of those uh, things that fall in, falls in line with the open uh, types of tournaments that Derek was talking about earlier, where you could have an open tournament that was a uh, more of a fast-paced type deal where it's um, maybe a different format and makes it a little bit easier and more watchable for um, people to watch if they wanted to. And not only that, it adds to that competitive lack of competitive play that we have um, around. Uh, we can get more more play in over the uh, the course of the our season, and um, maybe poten like potentially bring people that normally wouldn't be able to go to nationals into a new event or into a new um, new format. So th there, I think there is potential for um, making a more streamable format, but um, it's just whether or not people would end up coming to that or even watching. So you have to think about it, uh, whether or not it's going to be receptive to both the players and to the people who would be viewing it. Well, oh, go ahead. Go I, ahead. I, 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 the thing I was going to say there, and I, I see uh, Dave Anderson and Rob Gallopo kind of jumped up ahead of me in the, in the chat because I was literally just about to say it. Stuff like the, uh, the Phoenix Championship, uh, which was excellent uh, there, with that fast-paced type format, is it going to be some something like like that, which is your ultra short stuff, or even stuff as similar as I know Bulls Australia had significant success with a format similar to the Bulls Premier League, where they had the BPL Cup, which that one, if I remember correctly, I'd seen a press release recently for that. It was even with COVID. It was their most successful year of that championship yet. They had, I think, seven hundred eighty-six teams uh, competing across Australia to to get to the national finals at, at Moema in March. So, like, looking at the maybe another level where it is that shorter, condensed format while still keeping that championship excitement of the the majors, which is. Uh, like I can see what Derek says, but the uh, uh, that championship prestige of that eighteen ends pairs, uh, sixteen ends fours, and that, and that twenty one shots up. Um, one sport that's done this pretty successfully, though again I like the original here the original, but to watch myself, but is rugby with rugby sevens. Mm. Like they've went and shortened that up and it's basically you turn, it turns it into like a two, like usually a, a rugby sevens tournament is about two days long and you play like short, quick games against it. And then yeah, yeah, you have like a playoff and a final and it got itself into the Olympics doing that. And it mm. gives countries that are not as big like Fiji, they've won the two gold medals for the men so far. And that, and like, if you're playing and Fiji still a good country, like um, competitively from a full full 15 aside rugby format, but I don't think they're going to win gold medals in that format. You see a New Zealand or a South, uh, South Africa or something um, probably come, come through on that, but yeah, it, that's worked well for them and getting that viewership and 
Um, people probably watch that at the Olympics who don't watch rugby any other time. So, uh, Dave Anderson actually said cricket did the same thing. Yeah, with 2020. Yeah, yeah 100%. Yeah. How many days does the cricket, uh, Derek, maybe you know that, Derek Dillon? Do you watch cricket? Well, de- well yeah, it depends. it depends what you're talking about. You know, there's, there's the tournaments can go for a couple of weeks so if it's a one day. And now you have T20 as well. As well. So, uh, yeah, there, there's all sorts of different games. But, yes, it's all about speeding things up, getting a result, and it's all about designing a format around TV coverage. So, you know, and that's what's happened with the BPL, UBC, et cetera, et cetera, in Australia and stuff. So, you know, I, I, and I think that's probably for bowls in Canada, if, if, if we're going to have another national type event, then it's got to have to be something different. Maybe you keep, keep the nationals as they are or with some tweaks or what have you. But, uh, you know, there's another open event that competitive players across Canada can satisfy their thirst and say, well, okay, you know, we have to do this all ourselves. And for example, let's say it's, let's say it's the Alberta Premier League grows to the Canadian Premier League. You know, so it's five aside. You know, it's a one-hour game and then a one-hour game. You know, different, you know, so you play singles, pairs, triples, fours. But, you know, you get five guys together or a mixed team or, or what, you know, whatever we had mixed teams. And you could say, well, okay, listen, let's we're going to enter this in in Alberta or Saskatchewan or whatever it may be, wherever you're you're at. And so, well, okay, I can get through to a national event on this. Now, I've got to look after my own costs, but I've got the five people in my team that understand that. You know, wherever the nationals are, you know, well, okay, we're in Alberta. Yes, it's going to be the nationals are going to be uh, in uh, Ontario. That's fine. Okay, we'll all, you know. It's all our own costs. We know that. But the five of us, we're going to get a house together. We'll get one car together. So the costs are sort of spread a bit. You know, and the competitive player won't, I don't know, won't necessarily think about the cost too much because in its event they want to play in for the, to satisfy the competitive nature and it's an event they want to win and it's a national event that they want to win. And, yes, I'm prepared to take a week off work to go to nationals uh, for, for or whatever it may be a few days and I'm prepared to uh, I'm prepared to bear the costs and that for that so um, you know I think I think we can have another national event and I think uh, I think we can uh, have it that players who enter fully know that the costs are their own there may be prize money at the end but once again the host club has got to make some money is the is the key, but I think there is room because at the moment, if you're a competitive player, you know I often sometimes think about Cameron Lafrenz, for for example. You know that if you don't make it in the fours or the pairs provincially, there's two weekends, you're done. You know where, where's where's the competition coming from now? It's the same with Greg Wilson, for example, in Alberta. You know our national players, current national players, that if they miss out on two weekends out of a 52 week year, that's it. There is no competition outside of that, you know, unless they decide to go to Phoenix for the winter or something like that. So, uh, um, you know, competition, I keep drumming it in, there's just not enough competition in Canada. I know, uh, like, another really 
interesting concept too is being able to make a team and go to a large-scale national event with players across the country not just pulling from your own province um that's if you had both i i like the idea of of representing my province going to the nationals playing against other provinces i like that um but being able to also create teams that are come with players that are across the country, I think it's a really good way to get people um, interested. That's good. Yeah, hundred percent. I like a, uh, that's like a, uh, with the Australian Open. That was the biggest thing that that made me so excited about going down there to play play in the AO because, like the the first year, I, I had. Uh, I was the only Canadian on my team, and I was playing with with like a two guys from a, a, a rural town outside Sydney, and then one uh, from Canberra. So like, a, a, we would never have gotten the opportunity to play together if it wasn't for playing in a, a major Open Championship like the Australian Open. I, I do see a it could be a possibility of maybe we somehow find a way to resurrect the Canadian open after they last held it, I believe 2001 in the, in the Toronto area, if I remember correctly, I, I, I think that would be exciting there to, if that was ever a possibility. So I want to, I want to throw this back to uh, the hard ass Michael Patuli up there. Um, <laughs> what do you think about the comments that were, that were made? Do you think there's a room for the same old traditional, long format Canadians to get to the gold medal where um, other than singles, it might not lead anywhere else. Uh, it's just kind of that prestige and then have maybe a second where it's like a Canada wide open five man team. You, you put them all together from uh, the people that you like, or, you know, and then have it out that way. I would mirror what uh, uh, Derek's point was where if you're looking for the best team and you want to find out who's the best players in the country, you got to stick with a similar format to what we currently have sort of the longer games play the full round robin uh or playing with the metal rounds things like we have right now maybe slight additions or subtractions make it more attractive as an event wise but definitely there's room for um other events either invitational opens whatever it might be some sort of a major scale event as the other derek sort of said there's essentially a lack of events that you can play in in Canada, you kind of have to go and seek something out or travel to go do something. And I know the hunger is there, especially amongst the very competitive players. So we've we've kicked around the ball a few times, Daryl, me and you with the, the Canadian Bowler Invitational. Um, so I think all y'all keep your eyes open because there's probably going to be a Canadian Bowler specific uh, tournament sometime in the immediate future where we've got a lot of ideas we want to try out format wise specifically. So keep your eyes open because there, there could be some fun with that in the immediate future. Shameless plug. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really like the idea. Um, I, um, Rob Gallopo is in the chat. He um, went straight for doing the, the Phoenix championship, you know, the UBC, um, UBC format, really short games. Um, try to get us to, to stream it. Um and we, we got a lot of feedback that was uh, enjoyable to watch. You know, it was quick. It was, you know, you didn't you didn't miss much. If you wanted to skip a game, it wasn't that long. Um, a really neat format, something unique. And I think it's something that could be expanded to other provinces where if someone wanted to pick up and do a satellite competition, 
to actually build it into a nationwide uh, event, that's a possibility, and it's really exciting to think that that might happen. And you hope that maybe there's some other ambitious people, like um, Mike and Luke have been kind of kicking around trying to do our own kind of thing. Maybe there's someone that will, um, you know, take up the cause and try to do that that big five-man, uh, five-woman tournament, maybe even mixed, where you just put the best five people you can together and, and battle it out for for that top spot or a big prize. I think it's there's some kind of exciting possibilities out there if we really want to do it. It's just who's going to do it, I guess. Yeah. With um, this isn't the back to this isn't a new shorter real short format, but going back to competition and trying to create something other than national championships that you have, um, where somebody from anywhere in Canada can kind of get out there, and even this the Americans, assuming we get the everything straightened out at the border, I guess we have kind of getting close. But like next summer, if Wolba is going on, we're going to run a two day uh, men's pairs tournament here in Woodstock with some big prize money out there like we were planning to do before um, COVID hit. And then, so that's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Woba, Wednesday, Thursday, you have um, our men's pairs tournament. Then Saturday, you get to Milton, they got a skins game going on there. So that's a full week of bowls. And you could, you can put that in your calendar if you wanted to play, because it's not like there's pre-qualification to get here. Like you'd be like, Oh, I can schedule that week off during the summer because I'm going to put my entries into Woba to Woodstock to Milton. If you can get, assuming you can get entries to all those. And then of course, they have Bill Becker before the day before the, um, the men's pairs before uh, Woba starts. Well, I guess shameless plug to, to yeah. Woba week there uh, for next week, <laughs> next year, but great event. I, I can't, can't agree more. It's a great event if you ever want to travel to it, but I guess looking at it, Daryl, we've, we've been going for over an hour, pretty long, good conversation here. And uh, I think Derek's disappeared. So he might've went to the pub and just left early. I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it might be that McDonald's Wi-Fi that he's on. I don't know. <laughs> so I guess, do, do we want to wrap this up, Daryl? I think so. Um, Guys, thank you so much for, for coming and doing this. I know we had uh, the technical difficulties, which I'm famous for, um, at the beginning of the show. But thanks for sticking around. Thanks for having such great conversation on the Canadians. I know we probably didn't solve all the world's problems, but hopefully we threw out enough ideas and enough conversation to get um, not only you guys, but our viewers uh, to think about uh, what the future holds for Bulls and where we can go. Um, with formats, with hosting, um, what the pros and cons are of doing it. So really great conversation, and uh, thank you all for, for being a part of that. So uh, to my co-hosts, Mike Matuli, John Seitman, Derek Dillon, Derek McKay, Carter Watson, and Brandon Watson, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for being part of the show. And with that, may all your bulls be touchers. <laughs>